everybody in God's house today. It's already been a blessing to be here. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we are welcoming today. This is Melanie Freeman's Strings class. We know we have guests here with them. We welcome all of you. Hymn number three, would you please? Hymn number three, worthy of worship, worthy of praise. We're here to worship him today. We're going to sing about that and think about that uh, throughout our service. Number three. and turn to 674. We'll have our reading of Scripture uh, this morning for responsive reading. 674 is entitled Praise and Adoration. And during the responsive reading, I'll read the sections that are printed in the regular print. And if you would read together uh, the portions that are in bold print. 674, uh, taken from the book of Psalms. 674, Praise and Adoration as we read God's Word together. 674, let us read God's Word. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has 
He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the king. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips.
When you came in today, you should have found on your uh, pew one of these sermon guides. I would invite you to find that. Uh, It has the scripture references listed uh, there for you. It has a place if you'd like to make some notes as we study God's word. Uh, It's available for you. And uh, also today's closing hymn is on that. So you'll definitely want to find that as we'll be uh, singing uh, the song printed on it later in our service. I want to try a little something this morning. I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you that when I get done counting to three, to say your name out loud. So if I was sitting next to you, I would say Rodney Clements. Okay, so everybody understand what we're doing? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. And then you're going to say your name. Are you ready? One, two, three. All right, let's do something a little bit different. Yeah. I'm going to count to three again. This time I want everybody to say Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Wow. What a name, Jesus. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. And I want to ask you, friend, don't answer out loud, but honestly answer it in your own heart and life. You spoke two names today. You spoke your name and you spoke the name of Jesus. Now, which one inspired your presence here today? And to put it another way, who are you here for today? We've come to a worship service. Uh, who are you most concerned about? You know, the last several messages in our Church Matters series, we've been answering the question, what does the church do? And uh, today we talk about the fact that the church worships. And when you think about the church, a lot of people, probably the very first thing they think about is worship, because we have what we call a worship service. And we gave you a bulletin today, and in that bulletin it says, Order of Worship. And I need to remind all of us here today that we're here to worship him. Every part of the service is to be worship. And worship is about him, not us. I think this is a message that God wants us to understand and get in a fresh way. I'll admit it was a busy week. And so it was not till last night that I sat down and opened my Sunday school lesson. I was not teaching today, but I wanted to see what we were studying and and look at that and It was about worship. If you look at your open windows devotional for Sunday, June 3rd, which is today, it's about worship. And today we come in our study to the theme of worship and worship is about him, not us. Now, sad to say, we're living in a day when many churches have gone from worship to entertainment. 
No longer worshiping, just putting on a show. Beloved, this is not about us. I'm going to be honest. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to wow you. We're not here just to make sure that you feel great and just just adore everything. This is not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. Worship is about the Lord. I agree with Pastor Steve Gaines. He wrote too much of what the contemporary church calls worship is on a horizontal level. We're performing for one another rather than reaching out to God. We aren't vertical enough. We're not reaching out to him. Now, it is true that as we worship today, as we exalt the Lord Jesus, believers, we're going to be blessed and edified. As we worship, the lost are going to be evangelized. But that is not the ultimate goal. That is not the ultimate purpose for worship. That's some of the fruit of worship, but it's not the root of worship. Worship is all about him. Our focus today has become entirely too man-centered. What we want and what we like and what we desire. If we're honest, we judge worship like we do theater. And we go to a, a play and, and we say, oh, I like that part and I didn't like that part. Oh, I love that song. Boy, did you hear that sour note she hit? I like that story that he told in the sermon, the real funny one near the beginning, but I hated the ending. It was terrible. Imagine talking about repentance. You know, it, it was too hot in there. It was too cold in there. I, I, the person next to me smelled kind of funny and, and all these different things that we, we think about. As one minister said, we become like Goldilocks. Church must be neither too hot nor too cold, too loud or too soft, too long or too short. If it isn't just right, then I can't worship. Now, don't don't misunderstand. I'm not against comfort. And we've done as much as we can, we think, to make sure that you're comfortable today. And praise the Lord, we have air conditioning and we have lighting and you have a cushion there on your pew. And we're not against that. But, beloved, so many times we become so enamored with our wants and our likes and our preferences, our desires. We miss the whole point in the first place of why we're here. We're here to worship. Worship is for God. Worship is, is for Jesus. Now, Christian worship is a lifestyle. It's to take place every day and all day, not just on Sunday. And, you know, you think about worship. There's so much we could say about worship. We've got to limit ourselves and we're going to limit ourselves to our theme. And that is the theme of the church. We're going to talk about worship in church uh, rather than our personal worship. But really, most of what we're saying relates to both areas, both our uh, personal and corporate worship. Now, three questions today. Number one, what is worship? What is worship? Well, I have to start by saying worship is more than music. It's more than music. Now, music is a part of our worship. But in so many places, the only thought of worship that comes into play is the thought of music. You see, worship does not cease when the music ends and the sermon begins. All of our service, whether it would be prayer time, whether it be the offering time, whether it would be a testimony time, the sermon time, the music time, music specials, all of that is to be worship. Psalm 29.2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We're told to worship, but here's the issue. What is worship? How do we define worship? That's difficult 
to say the least. It's one of those words, one of those concepts that, that, that's hard to nail down. It's hard to get just, just right. Where does the word come from? Maybe we'll start there. Well, one scholar says it comes from the Anglo-Saxon word worthscrip, which then became worship and finally today has become worship. It's the idea of we're described worth to God, worship, worship. When you look at the most common biblical words for worship in the, the Hebrew and the Old Testament and the Greek and the New Testament, the, the words for worship that they deal with bowing down with humble prostration, with an awe-filled reverence for God. So we could say that, that worship is honoring God. Worship is about glorifying God and exalting God and, and celebrating God. Warren Wiersbe tried his hand at defining worship. He said, worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, and body, to what God is, says, and does. That's a lot to get in. Let me say it again. Worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, body, to what God is and says and does. MacArthur kind of fell in line with him. He said, worship is all that we are. All that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. We might say it this way. Worship is that honor that is reserved for God and God alone. The Bible says it this way. Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. We're to worship God and God alone. We honor God. We celebrate his worth. We see a picture of worship in Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Here's what the Bible says. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne... Who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him. Who sits on the throne. And worship him. Who lives forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne. Saying you are worthy O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they exist. And were created. That is worship. Exalting, honoring, falling before, reverencing, standing in awe of, celebrating God alone. I like the way someone put it. They said true worship is active. It includes everything we do. True worship is acknowledgement. We recognize who God is and, and what he has done and is doing for us in Jesus. It's active, it's acknowledgement, but it's also appreciation. We honor God by giving him credit in everything that we do. So what is worship? Though at times it's hard to really nail it down, we understand what's being said. It's that honor, that reverence, that awe, that celebration that's reserved for God and God alone. It's falling before him, it's exalting him in everything we do and everything we are. So the second question is this. What attitude should we have in worship? What attitude should we have in worship? I think that's an important question, don't you? As we're here today, what should our attitude be? 
What should the atmosphere be when it comes to corporate worship? Let me invite you back to that same passage we've been looking at a lot, Acts chapter 2. We've been coming back to this time and time again as we think about the church and church matters and what the church did and what we're supposed to do. We see worship in the early church in Acts chapter 2. The church has just been born on the day of Pentecost and we see them worshiping. And I want you to notice what it says in Acts 2, 40 through 47. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Verse 43 says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily... With one accord, the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, what kind of attitude should we have? Well, really, there's two sides. You want to talk about two two sides of the coin. First of all, it should be an attitude of reverence and awe. Look back at verse 43. It says, then fear came upon every soul. Now, here's what I want to mention to you. We must not be too casual in our worship. We must not be too casual in our dealings with God. Why? Because he is God. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah and the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. And two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. We are worshiping God. There should be a sense of reverence and proper fear and awe because he is a holy God. Reverence and awe. But then this is I said there's two sides. This is balanced out. By rejoicing and praise. Look back again at Acts 2 and notice verses 46 and 47. It says at the end of verse 46, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now watch this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. There's an, there's an idea of reverence and awe, but then there's an idea of rejoicing and praise. We rejoice and praise the Lord for His goodness. For who he is. We rejoice and praise the Lord for what he has done. These verses may sound familiar to many. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, if more read that for the came to church. 
Come before the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. There's that music. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His court with praise. Be thankful to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. And we have that rejoicing, that, that praising, that celebrating God. Who he is and what he's doing. So our attitude in worship is a balance here. It's reverence and rejoicing and it's awe and praise. And in all honesty, at times it's difficult to keep that in balance. Difficult to keep that in balance. Why? Well, we seem to be creatures of extreme at times, don't we? That's why you may go to some churches and they seem so cold And so dead. And you're afraid to breathe even. Lest you make a noise. You see, more than likely they have gone to the extreme end of that reverence and awe. But then you go to another church and it's like a circus. And you're expecting people to come through on trapeze any moment. And they're just jumping and shouting and rejoicing. Well, they've probably gone to the extreme, the other extreme of where it's all rejoicing and praising. But see, we're to keep it in balance. It's reverence and all, but at the same time, it is rejoicing and praise. And we, we do it all. We stay balanced. Why? Because we serve a holy God. And we serve a loving God. So we have an idea what worship is and we have an idea of what our attitude should be. But there's one question left, and that is this. How are we to worship? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? You know, Jesus answered that question. He answered in the Gospel of John. He's there talking to the woman at the well. And he tells us how to worship. He tells, he told her in John chapter four, verses 23, 24. Here's what Jesus said. But the hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So here's the question. How are we to worship? Well, Jesus, this is how you must worship. By the way, must is a very strong word. He didn't say this is how you should worship. This is an option for worship. This is how you must worship. Well, how, Jesus? Well, notice what he says, verse 23. He says, first of all, God is spirit. You know, we cannot see God. But thankfully, he chose to reveal himself to us, to make himself known to us. And he desires our worship. It's very interesting. If you notice the end of verse 23, if you don't usually underline in your Bible, here's something to underline. Notice what it says in verse 23 of John 4. For the father is seeking such to worship him. Think about that, beloved. God is seeking those who worship him. Then he says, God is spirit, and, and those who worship us worship in spirit and in truth. Now, for the longest time, I thought about this as two separate things. So I worship God in spirit, I worship God in truth, so I can kind of make a, a column here and a column there, and I can list them down there. By the way, I'm very analytical, so that fits right nicely with my personality and the way I look at things and the way I like to think. But I got a little bit of correction as I study this passage of Fresh and Anew. I won't bore you with all the details about the Greek text and the proposition and conjunctions and all those things. 
But I will tell you this. As Constable said, Jesus was describing one characteristic with two nouns, not two separate characteristics of worship. In other words, these things are not here and here. These things are together. It could literally mean the phrase could translate it this, that our worship is to be truly spiritual, truly spiritual. Well, if that's the case, the preacher, what does truly spiritual worship look like? How do we do that? Well, if it's spiritually true and truly spiritual, it's spiritual. It's from the heart. It's real. It's sincere. It's not made up. It's not like when you when you look at an ugly infant and you just you say something nice because you're not sincere. You just don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you look you look and you're truly sincere. It's not flattery. It's not something that we just figure out what it's from the heart. I really mean this. It's truly spiritual. It's true. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, 9, these words. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. Remember the rest of it, but their heart is far from me. And verse nine is interesting. You usually stop. Look at verse nine. And in vain and in vain, they worship me. Vain worship. So, so truly spiritual worship means it's true. It's, it's real. I, I'm sincere, but it's also Carried out and available because of Christ, who is the truth. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Jesus is the only way to the father. He's the only way to heaven. And so we worship truly spiritually. It's carried out according to truth through Jesus. But it's also according to truth, which is the word of God. John 17, 70 says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. And so you say, well, how do we worship God? We go to his word. We study it. We learn who God is. We learn what he's like. We learn what he desires. And we offer that to him. Now, let me ask you something. Why don't we worship like we ought to worship? I believe the reason we don't is because we don't know God as we ought to know God. You see... We don't know his word like we ought to know, because as we know his word and we understand about him to know God, to truly know God is to worship God. I don't think we can help it. If we truly get to know him, we will fall down in awe and we will lift our voices in praise and honor and adoration. If we really know God. You see, beloved, it's true that as we worship that believers, yes, we're blessed and edified. And it's true that as we worship, the lost are evangelized. But that is not the ultimate goal and purpose in worship. That is a fruit, not the root. Our ultimate goal in worship is to honor God for who he is and what he has done, is doing, and will do. Now, I wonder, is that going on here at Red Hill Baptist Church? You know, this morning, if you were in Sunday school in the adult classes, we studied about going through the motions. And a lot of times we go through the motions. Does our worship honor God and celebrate him for who he is and what he's doing? Does that describe our worship? A story has been told about a man who went to a church service with an angel as his guide. 
And every seat in the church was filled, but there was something strange about this service. You see, the organist moved her fingers across the keys, but no music came from the pipes. The choir, they rose to sing and and their lips moved, but there was no sound heard. The pastor stepped to the pulpit and began to read the scriptures. But the man observed with the angel that he could not even hear the rustle of the pages. Then the Lord's prayer was recited by the entire congregation, but not a single syllable was audible. Well, then the pastor went to the pulpit. And he could tell the pastor had started his sermon because he gestured here and gestured there to make his points. But the man heard nothing. Turning to the angel, the man finally said, I don't understand. What does all this mean? I see there's a service being held, but I hear nothing. I don't hear anything. The angel said to the man, you hear nothing because there's nothing to be heard At least by heaven's ears. They're just going through the motions. Nothing they're doing has any meaning for them. And worship without the heart is not worship. God forbid that should ever happen here. That God look down upon Red Hill Baptist Church who have gathered in a worship service. They're singing, they're praying, they're preaching, they're giving, they're fellowship, they're doing all these things. But we're just going through the motions. They don't really mean anything to us. We hope it's just a maybe a little spiritual shot to get through the week. God forbid that should happen. Our worship is to be in spirit and truth, is to be truly spiritual, genuine, sincere, wholehearted for the glory and honor of God alone. You know, when we leave church, it's interesting to really stop and think about what you talk about. We talk about the service, maybe, and we often talk about our likes and our dislikes and our preferences. And I can't believe how long we had to stay in there. And I I, I can't believe this went on. And I love this and I, I hated that. But you know what? That's not what we should be talking about after worship service. May it be more than we, we had a great service. We leave a worship service. It ought to be we have a great God. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. We're going to sing about him today. We're going to sing to him today. A chorus is printed on the back of your worship guide there, your sermon guide. And I want you to know that maybe you're here today and you say, well, preacher, I really can't worship God because I don't know God. Well, friend, I've got great news for you. You can meet him today through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we sing together, we would invite you to come. I'll meet you here and put you with someone. You say, what will they do? They'll take a Bible and sit down with you and talk with you about the gospel. About you can have your sin forgiven and Christ is your savior and heaven is your home. We would invite you to come and meet our great God. Then maybe you're here today and you've sat through Sunday school or maybe you just came in for worship. But God, the Holy Spirit has been talking to you and speaking to your heart and saying, listen, that's you. You're going through the motions. That's you. This has no meaning. That's you. It's all about you, but it's supposed to be about me. I would invite you to come today and kneel and pray and give those things to the Lord. The altar is open. I'm asked the ladies to move to the instruments as we prepare to sing and.
This is a chorus that's known by some and maybe others it's new. And you say, well, I don't know if I can sing as best as I can. Listen, you sing the best you can. You know why? We're singing for God. And I want you to notice the words. I want you to think about the words as we sing. And I want us to lift our voices in worship and praise to him. Because this is about him, not us. It's about him. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at its voice. It trembles at its voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great is our God. The altar is open. God is waiting. Would you stand and sing with us? How great is our God. Oh,